When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. Today's episode is brought to you by Flex Fantasy, and they want me to relay a message to you that they have cracked open the game of fantasy football to all. When you sign up for a free account and download the Flex Fantasy app, you can import all your teams from all your leagues across multiple platforms that you play on. Spice up your fantasy playing experience by challenging league mates or strangers off the street to a fantasy matchup no matter how or where they play. And put your money where your mouth is by placing a wager on your head-to-head matchup. It doesn't matter if you are on Yahoo and your opponent is on Sleeper. You can import your teams to Flex Fantasy to face off. You can even make wagers on who you think will win between other challenges besides your own. So sign up for a free account and download the app and try it out at flex.fan. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Welcome in, Empty Nation! Thank you for tuning in to the MD's Fantasy Football Show and taking a break from the Thursday night action. What you can do, you can bring up your laptop, bring up your cell phone if you want, and just stream us live on our YouTube channel. Please subscribe and you can get notified from there. Or you can check us out on bellyup.tv. If you want to wait till after the Thursday night game, that's fine too. Just check us out on demand on your favorite TV device. When you download the Foxy Network app and you look for the Belly Up Sports TV category, or you can stay up to date with the show on the go. When you download us on your favorite podcast app, please give us a five star review. It greatly helps out the show. It's the second half of the week one preview. It's the Clairvoyance Thursday. We talked about the first eight games yesterday. Now we're back here. To talk about the second half of week one tonight, the rest of the week one preview. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, but I also have my co-host, Chris Dauer, back on the microphone tonight. Chris, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Enjoying the first night of football. I mean, I can't believe this. Talking fantasy and playing, watching football, you can't beat that. Uh, absolutely not. I, I will say this, though. I, I'm, I'm already, it's the fantasy football life. I'm already 
you know, two different ways about it. Come on, you know, when we record the show or do the show Monday, I do the show Monday, we'll be recapping the Sunday afternoon games and the Thursday night game. And I'll also be doing a new segment called Heroes and Zeros, which I'll be pointing out my right calls, but also I'll be holding myself accountable for my wrong calls. If Cam Akers don't get his act together in the second half, uh, I'm going to have my first zero. But Gabe Davis is giving my first hero so far. So, you know, just keep it balanced out. But, you know, Cam Akers, please fall in the end zone so I don't have to put you down as a zero. We also got Brian Scott with us at the beginning of the show. Very happy to have him back. He was there with us last night, again, with us today. And hopefully Wednesdays and Thursdays, we'll just be able to keep it rolling. Brian, how you doing tonight? I'm good, guys. Thanks for having me again. Thank you for coming on. I don't want to waste too much time because yesterday we had a long show. I don't want it to go that long again. So let's go ahead and dive right into the injury inquiries. Breaking news. So first off the top of my list, I want to get your opinion on this. Kadarius Tony's he's expected to play. Like he's expected yeah. to be out there. But what is your take on a guy like Kadarius Tony, which has a lot of upside, but can't seem to refrain from getting nicked up? Yeah, uh, in a very short career, he's already been out with a lot of uh, injuries, which is concerning when you have a young player like that dealing with stuff. Um, it, practiced today and has been on record saying that he's ready to go week one. And um, it's been a hamstring that's been nagging him, apparently, that began early in the preseason, uh, caused him to miss the entire preseason as far as games go. So uh, got a full practice in Wednesday, got a full practice in again today, says he's ready to go. I, I, I expect he will be. Uh, you know, I guess he had the entire camp to to heal this thing up, and maybe it was mild to begin with, which is a good thing. You definitely want to treat hamstring injuries very cautiously at the beginning. You don't want them to spiral out of control, which they can very easily do uh, the rest of the season. So, well, well, yeah, we'll have to get into Darius Tony later on in the show. Alan Lazard, this has been a just to be funny here, a bizarre situation with Alan Lazard. He got stepped on. He missed his practice yesterday. He missed practice again today. Correct. And I don't know if he's going to play. Yeah, it's it's very odd. Um, they're not really divulging a lot of information. Uh, Matt LaFleur did kind of make a comment that it, it was his ankle that got stepped on. And, you know, usually when you hear the word stepped on, you're thinking maybe he just got a bruise or something like that. But there is a possibility if you get your ankle stepped on that you may have then rolled it, which basically turns it into an ankle sprain. And if that's the case... Um, that could set you back quite a while, depending on the severity. So they're being a little tight-lipped about it. But the fact that he hasn't practiced, it could mean one of two things. It could mean that it's mild and he's ready to go because he's basically not had any other injuries during this preseason. And he's probably ready to go. And they're just kind of babying it heading into the weekend. Or it could mean that he's really injured and they're probably just not divulging how serious it is because of game plans or whatever. Um, and maybe they're still doing some investigation. Maybe he's got some tests or studies that are doing, like MRIs or something, to kind of figure out how severe it is. Hard to say because they're not really telling much about it. Sammy Watkins will never die on the week one playing field. Uh, Irv Smith, he had a thumb issue. He's going to play. But I'm curious to hear from you. Yeah. What do you think his real level of exp- his real level of participation or his real role can actually be with that thumb issue? Can he be a factor for fantasy football? Well, so it, from what I gathered, it's about four weeks old, the injury, which means that it's probably healed enough that he can play, but it's probably not healed enough that he can't have go out there without a brace or something protective on his hand. So I think it might hamper his ability as far as a pass catcher, but also in the blocking game. I mean, they're going to have to be something on his thumb to kind of add some level of protection because four weeks into an injury, if it's a fracture especially, 
means that it's not completely healed, but it's healed enough that he can get out there. And he must not be having much pain. He must have some dexterity still in that that thumb in order to make catches and stuff. So um, I, I think it's definitely going to affect his performance. But, you know, they're saying he's good to go. You're looking for tight ends. You're trying to find a top 10 one. You think you got one in Zach Ertz. And now he's dealing with a calf strain injury. Practice in limited capacity yesterday. Didn't practice today. What are you making of the Zach Ertz calf? Yeah, that's concerning. Um, when you see that a guy was out there doing some limited stuff yesterday and then all of a sudden shuts it down the next day. And when you're talking about a calf, these are a very difficult injuries to treat. Sometimes they require some immobilization, like in a, in a walking boot for a period of time, depending on how severe and where in the calf it is. You know, typically it's on the inside part of the calf, that deep muscle tissue there. And that's that's a very difficult injury to recover from, a difficult injury to treat. Um, concerning, very concerning. I, I would not uh, put a lot of expectations on him this weekend, even if he does play, uh, if he's dealing with this and it's of any significance. I will say, make sure you guys are following us along at Bailey Up MDFF Show for our players' notifications, because that's one of the players we're going to be watching very closely. Arizona's going to be plagued this week. I mean, Rondale Moore now, it looked like he escaped whatever the injury was that Kingsbury was talking about last week, practiced in full yesterday, but then couldn't practice today. Yeah, I heard that he um, injured himself at the beginning of practice today, actually, from what I read, and that... It was his hamstring, whereas before it was something with his groin, I think. And so, or or did they, I don't even know if they actually disclosed what it was previous, but today they're saying he tweaked his hamstring. And I guess it's pretty significant because the, the reports I read said that they look like they're scheduling an MRI on him. I don't think he's going to be ready. No, that, that that's definitely not what you want to hear. Yeah. And then here, here's the biggest news probably of the day we're going to talk about, and that is Chris Godwin. A lot of talk about him, some controversy. I'll let you give your thoughts real quick first. Yeah, so it's just, I don't know, the, the timing of everything is a little weird and what the teams have been saying is a little weird. You know, the big news was that, oh, he start he stopped practicing with a knee brace on just a few days ago. And when I heard that, I was kind of taken aback because these days, most most guys, and I, I mean most guys, don't require knee braces when they're coming back from ACL reconstruction. In fact, a lot of surgeons don't even prescribe it as part of the the rehab, you know, you're in a brace initially the first few weeks after surgery, but once you're into this phase of your recovery, there's really no need uh, these days for, for any type of knee brace. What they found was they're really not doing much. And so the fact that he was even in one a few days ago is, is odd to me. So it tells me something. It tells me that he might be still very weak in that leg and may still have what we call some functional instability where he hasn't regained some of the strength in the leg, some of the coordination that he needs to do some of these agility drills and, and moves. And as a result, you know, that could be why he was in the brace, because he felt like he needed something supportive. Um, good to hear that he's not in it, but concerning, because it tells me he's probably not ready to come back. But yet the team's saying that he's like going to be a game-time decision, which I find very... Um, I, I don't find very realistic. I mean, he's about eight months out from the surgery is what I calculated. And it's still a little early. You know, you don't want to mess around with a guy like Godwin with this knee. Uh, I, I think it would be in his best interest and in the organization's best interest to probably give him a few more weeks, if not months, to kind of bounce back if he's still you know, struggling. I just think it's interesting because he's really the one saying he's a game time decision. He's the one yeah. who's been talking about, I, I, it's more important for me to come back in the second half. I mean, Chris, you could tell me on this one, it doesn't really feel like he's a player who, like, you have J.K. Dobbins, for instance, who's just trying to chomp at the bit to get out there. Godwin seems to be the exact opposite, where he's trying to avoid it seeming like coming back too soon. 
Yeah, I think he's just trying to play it smart. I mean, basically, this guy's he got he got paid, but he didn't get paid long term like some of the other guys did. His deal wasn't a five year deal; it was a three year deal. So I think when you look at Chris Godwin, he's basically making sure that he's going to continue to be productive and at his his prime and maximize his opportunity when he gets out there. And you know, I think for for his guy, he's not looking to try to push the envelope as you know we as they were talking you talking before. This is only about eight months since he had the surgery. So I think when you look at it, there's no reason to kind of rush him in Chris Godwin's eyes. I think that if he feels great, he goes out there. If he feels any even a little bit of trepidation or he feels even a little bit of weakness, I think he's going to play, play cautious. And I think that's pretty much what he earned the right to do, so to speak. Yeah, we'll talk about Godwin again later on in the show and where I had him ranked at before this news out came out today. Uh, last one I want to talk about before we close down this segment is Michael Gallup. Now, he's not probably not going to play this week. But all the reports about him have been pretty glowing heading forward. Yeah, it sounds like he's progressing through his recovery uh, quite well. He's actually, I think, even less time out from his uh, ACL reconstruction than Godwin is. Uh, I think he got hurt in week 17 last year, which puts him a a few weeks behind Godwin. So, um, again, uh, you know, moving in the right direction. But, you know, he probably doesn't feel ready. And I think the Cowboys are doing the right thing by not rushing him back. Um, he's definitely going to be out this week. I wouldn't be surprised if it may, might even be a few more weeks. All right. Well, thank you, Mr. Brian Scott of the injured list podcast. Uh, one more time for the fans. Where can they all follow you at? And what do you got coming out this weekend? Yeah. So, um, I'll be on TSS fantasy show on Sunday morning. I'll be doing a segment with them, doing some, uh, injury updates as well. Uh, touching base on whatever goes on between now and then. So to stay tuned for that, that'll be on the belly up uh, network, the TSS fantasy uh, you can find me at uh, host Brian Scott on Twitter, theinjurelist.com or .net, my website, where you can look at old uh, episodes, which touch base on a lot of different athletes over the years and different injuries over the years that we talk about a lot on these shows. So if you have any more interest or questions about that stuff, you can find all, all of my prior episodes. So, Excellent. I cannot wait to see you back here again next Wednesday after right. the first week of the NFL season. I'm sure there's going to be a lot more. Oh, it's going to gonna get crazy from here on out. It's going to get crazy. We'll see you soon, Brian. Thanks for, thanks for right, coming guys. in. Take it easy. All right, Chris. So that was Brian Scott doing the injury inquiries episode or segment, I guess I should say. And now we get into our actual previews of our players, our thumpers, and or not our thumpers and bummers. I'm getting ahead of myself in episodes. Our obvious starts, which are elites here, our lock them ins, guys that have to be in your starting lineup our lookout fours, which can remember can go either way. It could be a sleeper or it could be a player that I'm telling you, I don't know if he's going to play up to expectation. And of course, be cautious of guys that, you know, I want you to find other options if at all available to you. So let's dive in to our obvious starts to kick this thing off for the first four games that we're going to talk about. Obvious starters. Welcome back, Captain Obvious. Yes, I am. I should probably lead off by saying the first half of this show, the four matchups we're talking about are the Browns against the Carolina the Panthers, the Colts against the Texans, the Giants against the Titans, and the Packers versus the Minnesota Vikings. All right, Chris, you didn't get to talk much, but uh, obvious starters, as far as the quarterbacks go, I don't have any elite obvious starters of this group. So we get to skip down to the running backs. We got Jonathan Taylor. He's at RB1. Derrick Henry. He's actually my RB2 on the week. Christian McCaffrey, RB4. Dalvin Cook, he's at my RB7. Aaron Jones at my RB9. And even Saquon Barkley all the way down to my RB12. This, this group of four games has like all the top elite running backs. It's, it's absolutely insane. The two guys I want to highlight, Aaron Jones, Saquon Barkley. Obviously, 
some storylines around them. Let's start with Aaron Jones. What do you expect the split to be with him and A.J. Dillon? So I think Cam Acre fans right now aren't going to hear this necessarily, but I expect it to be very similar to what's going on in the Rams backfield where you're going to see probably a 55 to 60, 40 split, you know, depending on kind of the hot hand, so to speak. I think A.J. Dillon, you know, outsnapped him in the red zone last year towards the end of the season over the last five games. He also tended to outsnap him inside the 20. So I think you're going to see kind of that maybe he's going to get more of an opportunity in the red zone, not necessarily be the guy, but get more of a chance to be kind of, you know, utilize a bit more often. Um, but I think overall what you're going to – what you're really excited about for Aaron Jones, though, isn't necessarily A.J. Dillon's going to, you know, cut all your load. You're, you're now it's all, you know, goom and doom. I think the exciting thing is without those receivers, without, you know, Devontae Adams in particular – Aaron Jones was dominant out there. And when he was dominant, I was catching the ball out of the backfield. So I think that goes nowhere. You're going to see Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon out there together quite often as well. That's something that I heard a lot about in camp. I heard you know, a lot about Aaron Jones being kind of moved around. A.J. Dillon catched the ball out of the backfield. So I think both these guys are great plays. And I don't worry about Aaron Jones kind of being hurt by A.J. Dillon. I think it's actually going to be a workout just fine. Well, I think the big difference is, and I was only able to watch this game up until the first half, the Thursday night game, that is, and they're going series by series, it looks like, with Akers and Henderson, and so far, Henderson had the better series that the Rams have had so far, so he's got more fantasy points, and he's been on the board more, but when it comes to Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, I do think Aaron Jones leads the way in passing down situations, in four-minute offense, he'll be more utilized in that than, than A.J. Dillon will, so while I agree with you, I do think there's going to be close to a 50-50 split when it comes to the carries, maybe favoring Aaron Jones just slightly. The big favoritism and why I had him as an RB10 coming into the season is the pass catching with the lack of receivers and the fact that he's probably going to be more utilized in that role than A.J. Dillon. So that's why I have an RB9, and I have no reservations about starting him. And then the other guy that I want to highlight from this tier is Saquon Barkley. I do have him as an RB12 heading into this game against Tennessee. We don't really, we know Kadarius Tony's going to play. Thank you, Brian Scott. But we have no idea offensively outside of Saquon Barkley what the heck the Giants are doing, what the heck they're even thinking. I do know that Barkley's there. He's healthy from all accounts. He's exposed from all accounts, and he's probably going to get the ball a ton. So he has to be in your lineup. And that's why he's an obvious starter for me. Yeah, I, I definitely you know agree with you. I think when you look at the Giants offense in general, it's questionable what they're going to be, what they're going to do. But you have heard good things about Saquon. He does have seem to have a chip on their shoulder. He has every reason in the world to kind of shine out. And there's no reason to kind of you know minimize him either. So if he can catch the ball, if he can run the ball, I think the Giants are going to try to lean on him as much as they possibly can. Tennessee's not a world beater when it comes to stopping their run. They're not great at stopping you know the pass catchers out of the backfield either. So they did do a good job overall. But I think Saquon can get his, and I think he's definitely a must-play this week. Just real quick, you know, the Green Bay comment earlier. Just um, they're also playing the Vikings. This defense fly looks like it might have improved somewhat on paper. It's still nothing to write home about. So you can, you know, definitely feed multiple running backs against that Green Bay, that Minnesota defense. Yeah, to- to- totally agree. Uh, obvious starter wide receivers shouldn't be a shocker. Justin Jefferson, number one guy on the board. He's obviously a starter for you, and then of course. I got Michael Pittman. I shouldn't say, of course. I don't think he's always going to be in this tier for me, but he is this week playing against the Houston Texans. I mean, I don't, I don't know who the Colts beat up more on. I, like, I think they actually do a better job beating up on the Texans. They do the Jacksonville Jaguars. Michael Pittman, if, if we've talked about him, maybe not having him as high in our draft rankings as some other people, but this matchup, the targets he's going to see, it's hard not to make him and not hard not to make him a top ten wide receiver. And that's why he's my wide receiver eight overall. 
It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. I mean, we, we don't know what kind of Houston defense is going to be. They maybe even changed their scheme. They kind of you know, want more man-oriented with their draft picks. Regardless, even if it's a defense from last year or a new defense, there's going to be adjustments. And Pittman's the one guy who's been out of Matt Ryan being out there right off the bat. They're going to feature him. They're going to look to get him involved. And this, as you pointed out, this Colts team owned the Texas last year. So there's no reason that I have Michael Pittman in your lineup this week. I don't have any obvious starters out of this group for the tight end position. So we get to move on to our lock them ins. Lock them in. It's a lock. Locking them in at the quarterback position. Aaron Rodgers coming in at QB 11 and. Kirk Cousins. So I'm locking in both the quarterbacks from that matchup into my starting lineup as top 12 low end QB one guys. Just a quick mention on Aaron Rodgers. He's Aaron Rodgers in a good match against Minnesota. I, I, I don't know what the case is going to be with Alan Lazard. I just feel like he's going to find enough or do enough to be in that QB low end QB one conversation. I think you'll be fine there. I'm not necessarily looking at his big ceiling, because of the lack of weapons, but I think he'll be fine. Cousins is the guy that I want to highlight here. Because Cousins, on paper, he's got a tougher matchup. Green Bay's defense, you know, should be pretty good, or at least decent anyway in the secondary. But this is the time. This is where we find out what is the Kevin O'Connell effect on this offense with Kirk Cousins getting back to his old quarterback's coach in a system that's supposed to be more tailor-made for him. This is his time. Does he seize it? Does he shine in Minnesota? I mean, I think he's got opportunity to. I don't know if he's going to shine right off the bat. The biggest problem for Kirk Cousins and Aaron Rodgers in this game is going to be the pace. Are the Green Bay Packers going to slow the pace down like they did last year and make this kind of a grinded out game? Because everything we heard all offseason is the Vikings going to pick up the pace. They want to get the, you know get out there and get score, get a lot of plays on the field. So if that's the, you know, the playbook and that's how it works out, Kirk Cousins can have absolutely great numbers because he's already been a top 12 quarterback most years. So he's already had good games against Green Bay. So this is when you basically encourage that to continue to happen and make it even more so. But if Green Bay is able to kind of make it a you know ugly game, slow it down, and kind of rely on what they did last year, just kind of keep that defense off the field so it can look good, quote unquote. Um, I think that you know could be the only way kind of you wouldn't want to play quarterbacks. But I think overall you're, you're pretty confident both Kirk Cousins and Rodgers if you drafted your play playing. All right, let's move on to the running back, and I only have one Lockman running back, and that's well, that's Nick Chubb. He's my RB15 this week. I don't love the matchup against Carolina. I don't love that he has to deal with Jacoby Brissett. But the one thing I want to highlight tonight, because we talked about it pretty early on in the process. If you weren't with us early on in the summer, you might have missed this part. But I've taken the games that Jacoby Brissett has started over the last couple of years, put it out into a pace of what a 17-game season would look like, and the numbers are almost identical to what they were with Baker Mayfield last season, where Nick Chubb finishes the RB11. All of that is to say, ultimately, I am not worried about Nick Chubb being able to give me at least low-end RB1 performances, even with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback. But maybe he doesn't have as high of a ceiling because he is going to see a lot of stacked boxes. Yeah, I don't know how to take that. I mean, look, this guy's averaged over five yards per carry for his entire career now. And every year, everybody's like, well, what is Chubb going to be this year? He's got you know, somebody's going to have an offense or the quarterback's the situation. 
And Nick Chubb goes out there and rips off big runs. So for me, I think as long as he, you know, he's got his two legs and he's healthy, Nick Chubb's a guy who's going to be the top, smell the top 10 running back year in, year out, as long as he's healthy. And there's no difference for this, you know, this year. And against Cleveland, you have a mid-tier, not Cleveland, I'm sorry, Carolina, Carolina. you have a mid-tier, mid-tier rushing defense. So it's not something you're necessarily scared of. This game's going to be a low-scoring game, so there's going to be plenty of opportunity to run the ball. Nick Chubb's definitely a good play, I think, this week. I understand the upside concerns, but Nick Chubb also can, you know, get you two touchdowns and run for 125 yards just as easily, too. You plug him in, and you don't have to worry about it, okay? That's the simple thing. That's why he's a lock him in. I'll tell you who else to lock him in, staying with the same game. DJ Moore at the wide receiver position. He's my wide receiver 19 this week, and I love his floor. Last year, he averaged 10 targets per game. And Chris, you know this. I am not a Baker Mayfield fan, but I will still be the first to say this is the best quarterback T.J. Moore has ever had in his career. Unfortunate statement, but a true statement nonetheless. So D.J. Moore, I don't know how many times he's not going to be a lock him in for me as we go through these weeks. I think he's the new Keenan Allen. So that's where I kind of stick with this guy. I think no matter who the quarterback is, no matter who the coordinator is, write this guy in for basically lead the team in receptions and having around 900 to 1,200 yards. And it's just going to depend on how explosive those yards are, depending on the quarterback play. So I think, you know, Baker is definitely an upgrade for what they had last year. Cam Newton with like half an arm out there. And PJ Walker is getting time to play for no reason. So I think absolutely, you know, the Sam Darnold, thank God that's over. Baker might not be everything you hoped it would be, but Baker could actually throw the ball to the slot receiver and actually feature somebody. And that kind of feature not multiple receivers necessarily, but he can feature somebody. So I love DJ Moore. I love his floor. The ceiling is always what you're worried about with this guy, but when it comes to the money in the bank, weekend, week out, he's going to get you probably five, six catches around that 60 to 100 yards. And just to mention the other wide receiver I have in that group out of this bunch would be Brandon Cooks, who's my wide receiver 21. He's another guy who's just going to consistently hover in that wide receiver two territory with a high floor. I don't have any tight ends in the lock them in section again for this one. So we can skip ahead to our lookout for lookout for. Our lookout for quarterbacks of these four matchups. I got two of them. I got Ryan Tannehill. He's at QB 18. And then Matt Ryan, probably the highest I'll ever have him rank because he's playing the Houston Texans at quarterback 19. You're not going to see him on the graphics. I only went up to 18 because unless you're in two quarterback leagues, there's no point to look much further past. I did want to highlight Ryan Tannehill for this conversation. Now, it's on brand for me. He was my number one sleeper quarterback. But I do find this matchup interesting. Now, again, I have him at QB 18, so it's week one. You shouldn't have to go to Ryan Tannehill in your starting labs if you're in one quarterback leagues. But I do think it's going to be a little bit interesting against the Giants, which I don't think people realize how bad this Giants defense is going to be. And they might find out real, real soon. I think everyone is underestimating the weapons that Tennessee has. All I can keep hearing left and right is, well, Ryan Tannehill stinks. They have nobody to throw the ball. To. Oh, Robert Woods is no schlub. First and foremost, I don't know where when Robert Woods suddenly became this horrible wide receiver who is like nobody to even take in consideration. That is a weapon there. Oh, and by the way, Ryan Tannehill put up numbers last year as long as he had Derrick Henry to run RPO action in the goal line and play action pass off of. And he's got both those things at minimum, at minimum heading into this game. So I just think Tannehill could be a sneaky play, maybe a DFS if you're looking that direction. I don't know. What do you think? I think it's not a bad play. I mentioned this on Billy Up Fantasy Live yesterday with my co-host Adam. Um, can you even name the starting secondary for the Giants? I can't right now. Adoree so, I mean, Jackson, and it's not because he's good, <laughs> but just because he was in the first round. Like, he's that was there. It. 
Yeah. yeah, so I mean, right now the Giants secondary without Bradbury was already you know, terrible as it was last year. Without Bradbury, is even worse. I agree with you. I think this is a guy that's being basically overlooked and a matchup that's pretty, you know, not overly tasty. It could be ugly in a sense, but he's going to get you. He has definitely a good solid floor and more weapons, as you pointed out, that people realize. All right, look out for running backs. An interesting group. I'll start with AJ Dillon. He's actually my RB24, so I'm probably playing him in my lineup. And Chris, you and I already kind of talked about as to why we're good to play Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon this week, both of them. And then Kareem Hunt. I got him down at RB33. Would not shock me at all if he outperformed that ranking this week. He tends to find a way to be an RB2 or at least somewhere in that territory. Him and Nick Chubb are going to be the engine of the offense. I don't think that's going to change. But the guy I want to talk about the most has been the guy who's been in the news, and that's been Damian Pierce. And he does come in at RB29 for me this week as an RB3. I, I see some people out there who want to make him a top 16 running back right off the bat. First of all, this is a decent Colts defense. That's that's number one. Number two, he is not the workhorse back. I, I don't know where this got lost in translation. I don't, I don't know if people are just forgetting about this. But Rex Burkhead is going to be worked in at the very least – as the pass catching back, Damian Pierce is not good in pass pro. Lovey Smith's not going to throw him out there when it's third and long, when it's two minute drill, when it's four minute offense time, when they're inevitably trailing from behind in this game. It's not going to happen. He's an RB3. He deserves being your flex for sure. I'm not arguing that point, but this idea that so many people are locking him into his lineups as a top RB2 has me kind of scratching my head a little bit. I hope that this game definitively declares where we stand with Damian Pierce one way or another. Because after all the hype about how incredible this guy has been in preseason and in camp, or by the way, in camp, you can't tackle anybody, guys. Um, you know, when he plays the Colts, and if Shaq Leonard is out there and healthy, then he dominates the Colts with Shaq Leonard. I'll eat anything and everything Damian <laughs> Pierce all day, all day. But until that happens... Every week we're going to sit here and say he's about an RB2. Maybe if he falls in for a touchdown, probably an RB3 because it's the Texans and an early down, early down roll on the Texans. Right. And it's a offense that doesn't you know, struggle as it was. You're playing a Colts team that beat them by a combined score of 62 to three last year. So, don't know if the game trip's going to fit a whole lot of Damian Pierce in it, but maybe if it does, then I'll eat my words. Uh, we get a large lookout for group when it comes to the wide receivers out of this bunch. So we got a Mari Cooper who comes in at wide receiver 26. And uh, I'm not going to lie. I had to do a double take when I actually had wound up ranking him there. He just, Mari Cooper's that boring. Like I know you're gonna get all the targets, but he's that boring. I'm just like, wow, really? I actually have you as a high end wide receiver three. I'm shocked. Robert Woods, who I do want to highlight a little bit, kind of talked about a little bit during Tannehill, uh, but he's at wide receiver 30 for me. Traylon Burks, who I also want to talk about quite a bit, is wide receiver 46. We talked about Lazar. We're not, we don't know if he's going to play. Right now, he's coming in for me at wide receiver 27. I'll just quickly mention, if he doesn't play, it's likely that Sammy Watkins would be the quote-unquote number one. But I don't know if I'm playing Sammy Watkins. I will say, and I'm going to save it for tomorrow, but there is a receiver that I'm going to have on my radar come DFS time. Adam Thielen comes in at my wide receiver 36 Kadarius Tony, who we also talked about. I'll talk about him a little bit more in a second. Wide receiver 39. Wandale Robinson comes in at wide receiver 57. Alec Pierce at wide receiver 59. And KJ Osborne at wide receiver 64. So let's go back up 
to Robert Woods here, guys that I want to highlight of this group. And I want, I want to talk about Woods, and I want to talk about Traylon Burks kind of in the same breath here. So Woods is going to be the guy that Tannehill is going to use as a safety blanket. I don't, I don't think there's any arguments there. He's the veteran receiver. He's been there all offseason. He's recovered from his ACL. Everything looks good to go, and he's got a nice matchup. But people are looking at Traylon Burks, and I, I got to look it up again. I haven't, like I said, I have at wide receiver 46, but I believe I'm well ahead of, yeah, I'm eight spots higher than the ECR right now. I know the the news on Traylon Burks has been bad for the most part in training camp, but if, if I think people stopped listening to the news this week or something, because if you actually listen to what the coaching staff has been talking about this week, it's that Burks is the number two starter. They already they've already announced that on the depth chart, so he's in the starting lineup. He's not rotating in as the third or fourth receiver, and that he's caught up enough with the offense where they plan on him being involved this week in Week One against the Giants. So I'm not ready to put him in a a situation where he's definitively my flex, but a wide receiver 46, he's not totally off the radar either. And I think people are just like so down on him for what they heard from training camp. They're not paying attention to what's going on right now. But where are you with the Tennessee Titans receivers? Yeah, I'm not the waiting to see with the Tennessee Titans receivers because I think that right now you're going a lot of speculation of who's going to get what, who's going to fill what roles. And until we kind of see on full, we're kind of just guessing. I do think Traylon Burks has ultimately the most upside in this receiving core, of course, on long term. This week, though, you know, I understand that people have a little reputation not putting him in there, but I agree with you that people are definitely writing him off. We heard all last offseason about how Jamar Chase couldn't catch the ball, kept dropping the ball. Yeah, and I think that was okay by the by the end of the season. People weren't regretting having Jamar Chase on their team. So Traylon Burks might not, you know, hit the world on fire right off the bat, but he's got a chance to kind of have big plays here. There, they're going to scheme him up as you know the season progresses more and more. So it's a guy that I think that maybe you don't play necessarily this week, but if you have to, I don't think you're sweating it too much. But down long term, you definitely want to have him on your lineup because he's got tremendous upside. And just because a guy struggled, you know, converting from college to NFL doesn't mean he's going to suck. I want to focus in a little bit on the Giants receivers too in this tier. Um, on both Kadarius Tony, I got again. I have him at wide receiver thirty nine, so he's in the conversation. I have I don't know why the graphic is up because he's not in the top thirty six. Uh, and then Wandale Robinson, who I have at wide receiver fifty seven. So, which by the way, Wandale Robinson at wide receiver fifty seven, I'm much higher on him than the ECR. Nineteen spots, Chris. Nineteen spots higher I am than the ECR. Kadarius Tony should should be the number one receiver if he's healthy and out there on the field. But what I'm going to kick it to you, and what I think you're going to say, is that Daniel Jones and Brian Dable love the slot receiver. They do love the slot receiver. And he even puts up, you know, seven or eight targets for 64, 430, you know, 30, 40, 60 yards. It doesn't matter to them either. I think this is definitely going to be the guy that they're going to look for. And this Tony Love is a little hard for me. Look, the guy had a, a great game. A great game. game. And didn't score any touchdowns, zero, zilch. So the, all of a sudden, this guy's got to be in people's lineups. And you know, Tony with Daniel Jones, this giant offense, the only guy that I'm trusting to have out there for sure is Saquon Barkley. Probably the only other guy that I might even think about, and this is probably even just for DFS purposes primarily, would be Wondell Robinson because I think the Giants to not be in this game for the most part. I expect that they're going to be doing a lot of trying to think and dunk and trying to make things happen. The outside receivers actually won't, you know, haven't been targeted this entire offseason. Weren't targeted the entire offseason last year, so probably won't change this year. So for me, Tony's the guy that I think that you know the, the draft capital spent wasn't by this coaching regime. And they definitely don't have nothing to tie, which we heard the trade rumors earlier on. 
This guy's been in and out of the lineup, has you know injury problems. I think this guy isn't necessarily the one that are going to make sure shines. And I'm not going to say they're not going to utilize him, but Tony is the guy that I'm more skeptical of actually than Robinson. And I can't believe that. Well, I, look, I have it wide receiver 39 again, just outside the flex. I think you can look at him as a boomer bust home run threat that you can plug in your lineup. Because again, I'm at the end of the day, when it comes to groups like this, like Galladay and Robinson and Kadarius Tony, I'm going to put my money on who's the most talented guy right now. That is Kadarius Tony. But the reason why I'm 19 spots higher on Wandale Robinson in the rankings, putting that wide receiver 57, is because I recognize the slot receiver typically is the most valuable receiver when it comes to Daniel Jones and when it comes to that Brian Dable offense when he, when, when he doesn't have Stephon Diggs. So and, and that's what I'm looking quick, at there. And Tennessee's secondary is stronger on the outside than it is on the inside also. Correct. Also correct. But let's move into our lookout for tight ends. So we talked a little bit about Irv Smith. He's actually a tight end 13 for me. Now, that is a big reflection of going off of a little bit of last year's stats when it comes to the Green Bay Packer defense, which is they're, they're terrible against the tight ends. So if Ersmith is good to go, I wouldn't be surprised if he's a touchdown uh, target this week. And frankly, my tight end 12, and get this, Chris, my tight end 12 to my tight end 19 is separated by two points. That's it. They're all seven of those guys are separated by two points. So if any one of those guys scores a touchdown, they're going to either outperform where I have them ranked at already or solidify, but literally a two point gap between seven tight ends, because we're all just talking about which one's going to score a touchdown during that range. Mo Ali Cox is somebody that I would like to talk about real quick. Tight end 16 this week, Houston Texans. Everybody's talked about Mo Ali Cox is the guy. Frank Reich's always been known for rotating tight ends. Mo Ali Cox has been dominantly the guy throughout preseason, throughout training camp. Not a surprise. He's the best blocker. The question is, can he do anything for us fantasy-wise? I think the answer to that might be yes, and that's why he's a sleeper for me this week. What do you think? Yeah, I struggle with Mo Ali Cox. I want to believe. I keep trying to believe. I just can't believe with this coaching staff. I know they re-signed him. I know he'll be out there for blocking purposes. I know that Matt Ryan versus tight end sometimes. But I just, you know, I'm not going to have him in my lineup. I'm not going to pray to God he scores touchdowns. I think it's going to be a little otherwise. We'll see. We'll see. And then we got Austin Hooper at tight end 17. But for our first state your case of the day, we're talking about David Njoku. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. So I also want to preface this by saying, again, David Ajoka comes in at my tight end 19, which I only have a two-point gap difference between him and Hunter Henry, who's my tight end 12. So I'm not super low on David Ajoka, who's kind of just pulling, pulls out that way. 
But go ahead, Chris. Why am I wrong to have David Joku so low? Well, I'll even go that one step higher. I think you should have him ahead of Albert O as well that you're going to get to at 11. Um, I think that David Njoku has finally been freed. As you had alluded to, Austin Hooper, who ranked ahead of him, has moved on and now is no longer in Cleveland. Bryant is no longer a threat to sealing his job. Njoku got this big contract. We saw Mike Gusecki have a nice little bounce back last year in Miami when Jacoby Brissett was the quarterback. So we know the tight end is definitely featured when he's a quarterback. We saw similar things happen when he was in Indianapolis. Um, even back to New England days, he featured a tight end. So I think Joe Cooper is going to make sure that one guy, maybe not necessarily Mark Cooper, we prefer to get the ball, but David Njoku is going to be that guy who's going to get the ball. And I think the playmaking play offense, I'm sorry, the playmaker for the offense is going to be the tight end position a lot more this year than you kind of expect it to be because they're going to have to kind of, you know, hide the fact that their quarterback is not Deshaun Watson until week 11. Um, so I think David Njoku, we look at the other guys, Albert O, you look at, you know, some of the other names you have on the list, they're kind of guys who are hoping to score touchdowns, while this guy actually has an option to be a primarily second probably in the offense in the passing attack, if not first, with David Jacoby Brissett's quarterback. <clears throat> All I'm going to say as quickly is two things. I know Brissett likes to throw the tight end. I still don't like Brissett as a quarterback to keep the offense on the field consistently enough. Also, Harrison Bryant's still a thing. There is a real argument to be made here that Harrison Bryant, especially when it comes to the red zone, could be in a committee situation with David Njoku. And with all these tight ends that we're talking about streaming, I'm not streaming one that could be in a committee when it comes to the most important part of the field when I need my tight ends to score. Last season, Njoku had eight targets in the red zone. Harrison Bryant had six. Maybe that changes with Austin Hooper out of the way. Njoku has the lead guy. But until I see that on the field, I'm not going to just take that for granted heading into week one. So that would be my backup argument to that. Any rebuttal real quick? No, I think I think that's a fair point, and I think you make a good argument. I think, you know, tight ends were definitely splitting Harris usually as it is. But David Njoku is one of the more physically gifted tight ends in the league right now. So when you have an opportunity to kind of shine out and got paid accordingly, that's where I think the money kind of meets in the road. And with Carolina, yes, they have a good defense, but where they can be exploited is a secondary, especially at the tight end position. So I think there's opportunity for him while the outside receivers – are going to have to deal with strong corners with J.C. Horn and C.J. Henderson. Well, tight end, not kind of the same kind of issue. All right, let's get to our be cautious of. Be cautious of. We're going to go through this uh, rapid fire here because we're getting short on time. Baker Mayfield, of course, you're not starting him. You're not going to start Jacoby Brissett, fantasy-wise. You're not starting Davis Mills, and you're not starting uh, Daniel Jones. Okay, we all agree? Okay, good. Let's go to the guy that I wanted to ask you a question about because you've been a big protector of him, and this is the only guy that we'll really actually get into depth about in this segment. Kenny Galladay, my wide receiver, 61. Do you have any hope Kenny Galladay at this point can turn the turn around for this season? I have hope that you know maybe that whatever this procedure was is why he ran around like a mannequin, as you, you know you alluded to last time we talked. Um, I just don't think that you can kind of judge, judge him so we know how healthy he is. If he's not healthy, this isn't a guy that can stand to lose a step. We saw Fitz Jack kind of fall off a cliff towards the end of his career. And we can't get all these in the same situation. I just feel like when push comes to shove, he is the most talented receiver if he's healthy on that team. I just I kind of find it hard to believe that he won't kind of have a chance to shine out somewhat. But it is the Giants. It is Daniel Jones. So I don't know. <laughs> and, of course, you're not starting Tommy Tremble. You're not going to start Brevin Jordan. You're not going to start Robert Tanyan. And you're not going to start... Daniel Bellinger. 
So let's go ahead and take a quick break. We come back on the other side. We got four more games, the last four games of week one, the preview. So don't go anywhere. Stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back with you guys right after this. Support for today's episode comes from True Classic. This brand new sponsor has the absolute best fitting t-shirts a man can buy. Finding the right t-shirt with a little bit of a dad bod is incredibly frustrating. Most t-shirts are either too tight on your gut or look way too big and boxy. You're not in high school anymore and it's time to upgrade. True Classic has already helped over 2 million men finally get a better fit at an affordable price. Our listeners get access to the best deal they offer. For a limited time only, get 20% off with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at trueclassic.com. Almost all men's t-shirts are designed to look good on skinny models with six-packs, but most of us aren't packing anything but a few beers. Fellas, you are wearing the wrong clothes. True Classic tees taper off towards the bottom, but they fit tighter around the chest and shoulders. It's time to highlight your best attributes with a t-shirt you can always confidently throw on. True Classic doesn't just stop at tees. They are your one-stop shop for men's essentials. Super easy and simple to fill out your wardrobe. From polos and workout shirts with the same flattering fit to boxer briefs designed with a pouch to keep your bulge nice and comfortable. All their gear is top-notch quality at reasonable prices. It's about time you learn how to dress yourself properly. Upgrade your wardrobe with True Classic and get 25% off at trueclassic.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Free shipping included on purchases over $100 and 100% risk-free guarantee with a 30-day return policy. Stay classy with True Classic. Your dad bod will thank you. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Welcome back in to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Coming to you live on our YouTube channel. Please subscribe when you get the chance. Check us out on bellyup.tv. If you need to catch us after the show at any time, any place, on your TV device, check us out on demand on the Foxy Network app on the Belly Up Sports category. And stay up to date with the show on the go when you're on the road. And you download us on your favorite podcast app and give us a five-star review to really help us out. I'm your host, Dan yeah. Mater, joined here with Chris Dower. Sorry, Chris, what were you going to say there? I was going to say, you know, and if they're tuning in now because they missed the game, it's not a game anymore because, you know, the Bills are getting their hand into the Rams. <laughs> yeah, so welcome to the show, and you guys can definitely catch us, you know, replay earlier anything you missed from the show. Any chance uh, the Rams let Cam Akers get something in garbage time? <laughs> running out of time here. Look, there's got to be some kind of conspiracy thing going. He's got three carries. Three carries for zero yards. That's it. I like. He wasn't even targeted. I in the have my game. RB two in so many leagues. I'm gonna have to apologize profusely on Monday night. I just please let something happen. I don't think it's gonna hold up all season, so don't overreact. We'll talk about more of that on Sunday. We got other things we got to get into right now, but we'll let that all play out. Uh, our next four games we're talking about. We have, and of course, I went back up to the top of my outline like a like a dummy. Uh, the Chiefs against Arizona. We have the Raiders against the Chargers. We have the Buccaneers against Dallas. That's the Sunday night game. And then the Monday night game, Denver versus Seattle. So let's start off with our obvious starters of these four matches. Obvious starters. Welcome back, Captain Obvious. Yes, I am. Obviously, you're playing Patrick Mahomes. He's my QB six. I don't think we need to talk about that too much. 
obviously, you're starting Kyler Murray. He's my QB4, even with some of the injuries at the receiving position. Justin Herbert at QB5, you're starting him, and Tom Brady at QB7. Those are our obvious starters. I do want to mention Kyler Murray. Uh, two things, really. It's a good matchup, one, but also Kyler's fully healthy. When Kyler's fully healthy, he runs. Therefore, he's a top-five quarterback. I don't know if you have anything else you want to say to that. No, I tend to agree. I mean, I'm not a huge Kyler Murray fan necessarily, but it's this offense where he threw 300 yards and the guy scrambles around, I don't understand how he's not a top-five quarterback. The guy I want to highlight out of this group, actually, I want to talk about a little bit more is, is Tom Brady. First of all, let's remember what he did to Dallas last year <laughs> in that week one game. And Dallas' defense isn't any better, at least I don't think so, by the way. I know some people are concerned about the Buccaneers' offensive line. Brady gets the ball out of his hands so quick that he can kind of make up for some of that. I don't see that foresee that being too much of an issue. I'm one spot higher than the ECR is when it comes to Tom Brady this week. Uh, I just really like him to put up a big game. Yeah, why wouldn't he? He had a great game last year. I mean, look, if you're going to lose Giselle, then you're going to make sure you're out there balling. So <laughs> I think if you're going to be out there, he's got a reason to be, you know, make sure he's got a reason to be out there. You're not going to be disrespecting himself versus Dallas. Uh, Austin Eckler is my obvious start at the running back position of this group. He's at my RB6. And the only, you know, quick thing we'll talk about with him is that, you know, they signed Sony Michelle. They drafted Isaiah Spiller. The question's still out there. Are they going to try to, you know, try to work somebody else in inside the five-yard line and give them the work? What do you think? I mean, I think that's definitely possible as the season progresses. Except for this week, you don't care because they're playing the Raiders. The Raiders linebackers are atrocious. They have the stuff they're running in about 10 years now. So it doesn't matter who they have on defense, who their coaching staff has been, that defense can get be ran on. So Austin Eckler can beat them whether it's through the air or through the ground. It doesn't really matter. I think even though the guys kind of are mixed in there this week, is that going to hurt him now? Overall, I think Tony Michelle's the guy that you want to try to get your hands on because I think he has more of the clear role. It's obvious that they're adding him towards the end of the season when they've had these young guys and Joe Kelly already beat out Spiller somehow that maybe, just maybe, they'd rather have somebody else being back there. So Tony Michelle's going to be the guy I'm buying. At the wide receiver position, obvious starters. Devontae Adams, obviously. Wide receiver seven this week. Uh, Mike Evans at the wide receiver 10. And then CeeDee Lamb, I had him as a top six wide receiver. I got him as a top four receiver heading into this week's matchup. The guy I want to talk about a little bit is Mike Evans. If Chris Godwin's not going to play or play on a limited snap count, we don't know exactly what Julio Jones' role is yet. Russell Gage is coming off of an injury, although he's expected to be fine for the game. The one guy I have no questions about, health-wise or role-wise, is Mike Evans in this great game against Dallas, and I think he's going to put up some points, especially with Tom Brady putting up some points. Yeah, and while he might see a lot of Trayvon Diggs, Trayvon Diggs is unbeatable. He gets a lot of interceptions, but he gives up a lot of yards also, so that doesn't going to hurt Mike Evans. I agree with you. I think he's definitely a top-ten play, if not a top-five play this week, if Chris Godwin's out. At tight end, the obvious starters, Travis Kelsey, my number one guy. And will be my number one guy every single week. A lot of people want to talk about Kyle Pitts. They want to talk about Mark Andrews. I, I To this day, I don't understand it. I don't think this is the year Travis Kelsey falls off a cliff, if he ever does fall off a cliff. I don't think this is the year regardless. He's going to have a lot of targets. He's going to have a safe floor every single week. Darren Waller at tight end four, obvious starter. And Dalton Schultz, an obvious starter at my tight end six for this week. The guy I just wanted to kind of mention real quickly in passing, Darren Waller. Uh, so much for being hurt. All of a sudden, he gets a new agent with a new contract supposedly on the way, and uh, now he can practice and do all kinds of things. 
Yeah, it's, it's funny how that works out for some people. <laughs> All right, so that's our obvious starters. Not too much we had to talk about there. Let's talk about our lock em ins for this group. Lock them in. It's a lock. Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott. My QB eight, Russell Wilson, my QB nine, Dak Prescott. Lock them into your lineup. I both have them in a the top 10. Wilson, the guy I really want to talk about here because I do wonder about the narrative going back into Seattle. Does he have a little extra gumbo in the pinball machine there with his new weapons? And just maybe I think he does have the ceiling potentially of a top five quarterback this particular week. I do buy into it a little bit. If you're looking for a little, if you're hoping for, I should say a little extra pop out of Russell Wilson. Interesting take. See, I feel like the opposite where I think, while I think Russ is hyped for this game and wants to show up, I think the harder he tries, the worse he kind of plays. So I'm interested to see how he kind of approaches this game and how it goes. But I don't think he's necessarily – I don't think he's a top 10 player must, must start. <laughs> uh, lock him in at the running back position. Lock it in James Conner. He's my RB, 14. Lock in Josh Jacobs. Uh, he, doesn't, he hasn't lost a job, guys. He is a starting running back. Seem, some people seem to forget that. He's my RB17 this week. Leonard Fournette, he's actually my top 12. He comes in my RB11. Ezekiel Elliott, we'll get to him in a second, RB16. And Javante Williams is my RB10. Uh, I just want to quickly mention Javante Williams. We'll finally get a chance to see what the split between him and Melvin Gordon is truly going to be. And if it favors... Javante Williams by 60% or more. I think he's going to be an RB one the rest of the season. I don't disagree with that. I mean, I think Aaron Jones is close to that towards the end of the year with splitting carries with AJ Dillon throughout most of the year. So if you get the 60%, it usually is enough to kind of push you over. And, and the guy I wanted, I wanted to highlight here was James Connor. He's my RB 14 in this matchup. He's a tough one for me because I had him a little bit lower the draft process because when you look at him from a season-long standpoint, he's not going to stay healthy for 17 games. Like You know it's inevitable for James Conner to miss a handful of games. But while he is healthy and there's no Chase Edmonds, it's kind of hard to wrap your mind around what actually is the ceiling for a James Conner who might be getting a ton of work in a really good match against the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, especially with no Rondell Moore possibly as well. Right. I think you're going to see James Conner be featured. No Zach Ertz. Let's not forget that. Yeah, so James Conner is definitely going to be featured in the red zone particularly. That's what you want to see with James Conner. This man scores touchdowns. It doesn't matter about anything else. He scores touchdowns. And this offense he's going to. This team's going to score points versus the Chiefs. Their defense, especially Kansas, Kansas City's defense, rarely comes out, starts off the season well under Steve Spagnuolo. Usually they kind of have that adjustment period, particularly against the run. So I would be very concerned if I am – playing against James Conner this week because he has got a definitely boom opportunity this week. Now we get into our state your case for the second half of the show. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Ezekiel Elliott is my RB 16. I have him as a lock him in stardom RB two. I don't think he has a particularly big ceiling. I don't want to get that twisted, but he does have a heck of a floor, but Chris, go ahead. Tell me why I'm wrong at RB 16. Let's look at the names kind of after that you have, like a Rashad Penny, for example, or a Chase Edmonds, even maybe a Ramondre Stevenson. When you look at what what Zeke's floor is, it's 11 carries for 33 yards. That's what he did last year's last year's opener. They had a healthy Tyrone Smith to open up the season. They had multiple receivers to use. They have C.D. Lamb. They have Zeke. 
and they have Tony Pollard, and that's pretty much offensively what you have to kind of bank on in Dallas right now. Him based defense is healthy. Dalton Schultz, come on now. And though, though, I, I, I definitely think Dalton Schultz is the most play this week um, as a result of that, but when it comes down to it, what you don't see teams do is run the ball versus Pope Bay. As long as they have that man Vita Bay in the middle and they added another big boy in this past draft as well, yeah, you're not well, running they added on them. Picks in the free agency. And they, they had did, Golson, but they also, the Golson in the free agency. Those are the starters yeah. deep in the line right now. Yeah. They had, they had the young kids rotating in with, uh, with backing up Bay as well. So they have enough, enough beats, um, is my point I'm trying to get to, that Tampa Bay isn't going to be run on. So this isn't going to change, especially without Smith. You're not going to run outside on them. You have a hard time running inside. Even with a Zach Martin, sorry, Zeke, this isn't your week. So I think you kind of laid out the basis of my argument as to why I think he is an RB2 this week. They don't have a lot of weapons to go to. I think people are underestimating because last year, remember, he only had two catches against Tampa Six Bay. Yards. Six and yards. I don't, I don't think that's going to be the case this year. I, I think because of what you just laid out, they didn't have, they don't have many targets to go to. Therefore, I think you're going to see Ezekiel Elliott be a lot more involved in the passing game this time around. And the other part of my argument is this. When it comes to running backs, especially when you're talking about in this RB2 range, there aren't too many of them that I can guarantee a 65% or better workload to. I can with Ezekiel Elliott. It's not going to look pretty. I wouldn't suggest watching the game if you had Ezekiel Elliott. But I think ultimately the touches and overall the extra involvement in the passing game this year compared to last year will hold his value at RB at an RB2. And if you drafted him, I don't see how you have a better option at your RB2. It caught two catches for six yards. His high last year was an eight-catch game for 50 yards. It's not like he's going to let it up in the passing game even if he gets a lot of receptions. No, but you're in half-point PPR like we're talking about. You get six catches, let's say. You already got three points right off the bat just off of volume, and we'll see where it goes from there. Uh, moving on, though, we got, as I'm losing my, my place here, we got the tight ends. So, no, we got the wide receivers. I'm sorry, excuse me. The lock them in wide receivers. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Uh, Marquise Brown, he's my wide receiver 15. If I get word that Rondale Moore is definitely going to miss, I may move him higher. We'll we'll have to see. He's basically the last man left standing at this point in a matchup where points are going to have to be scored against the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Chris Godwin. So I want to highlight Chris Godwin. So right now, he's at my wide receiver 23. Now, just to kind of give you guys of what I do in my background process, I'm working on the rankings pretty much Monday night, Tuesday night. I try to have them finalized, the the early week rankings anyway, finalized by Wednesday night's show when we do our first preview show. At that point on Wednesday, he practiced in full, and the coaching staff 
was talking about he should be ready to play. They didn't seem to have much concern. So I bumped Chris Godwin in a good match against Dallas up to my wide receiver 23. Today, we have a lot different story. We have Godwin kind of pushing back on the idea that he definitely wants to go. Brian Scott seems to have some concerns, our medical professional here with Belly Up Fantasy Sports. And overall, he didn't need practice today. So overall, I don't know what to expect out of Chris Godwin. I will be moving him down. My rankings likely will move him outside the top 36. Wouldn't be surprised if he missed the game altogether. So I just wanted to highlight that real quick. You have to be fluid and be ready to pivot off of information that you get. Make sure you follow us on social media at Billy of MDFF show. We'll keep you updated. I don't know if you want to give a quick comment about Chris Godwin or the Tampa Bay wide receivers. No, I think, you know, being general, I felt I'm always cautious, so I wouldn't be necessarily having Chris Godwin in my lineup week one anyway, so I just want to see how he looks first. So that's just my thing. I always kind of, you know, I would caution that it can sometimes blow up in your face, but quite often the opposite happens if you don't be you know, cautious first. Uh, Cortland Sutton, I'm locking him in at wide receiver 16, and I'm locking in Mike Williams into my lineup at wide receiver 20 for this week. At the tight end position, I feel like I have another caveat I had to give. I was locking in Zach Ertz as a top 10 tight end, but now we have to worry about the calf issue. Tomorrow will tell us more. If he practices at least in limited capacity, I do believe he'll be out there. But I'm going to say this. I do think if that is the case, I think PPR leagues is the only league you can comfortably play Zach Ertz as a top 10 tight end. You might have to look for other options if you're in half point or if you're in standard. Uh, Just to kind of put that out there with what's going on. But the the stats that I want to give out there, without DeAndre Hopkins, Zach Ertz has been a top five tight end. So you do really want to play him as long as he's healthy these first six weeks. But that's that's another situation that will remain fluid as we get more information. So let's just move on into our lookout for. Lookout for. Lookout for Derek Carr. Chris, you want to talk about Derek Carr? He's my QB 16. Yeah, I'm a little surprised you have him that low. The Chargers defense, while I know looks good on paper, hasn't necessarily played a game yet and has been giving up, you know, hemorrhaging points. Now, usually it's against the run. But Derek Carr loves to pass the ball. I think that you're going to see this, you know, Josh McDaniels offense with, you know, Devonta Adams, with Waller, you have it in your top five. It's kind of seems like if you have a top five, you know, top 10 receiver or top five tight end, um, maybe you're going to have some decent amount of volume. So I think Derek Carr is a safe play. I don't think he's a guy that you have to play. Maybe you have a better choice. But I think if you have Derek Carr, it's not a bad play this week. So I think he's kind of since there were, you know, in that middle tier. But a guy I think might be a little closer to that top 10 than you know, maybe to that second tier. The guys I had in front of them, and I'll pull up the graphic again real quick. Jameis Winston, Trey Lance, Matthew Stafford, keeping him you know, from getting closer to that top 12. All those guys, with the exception of Stafford here, playing against Buffalo Bills tonight, uh, just they have really good matchups. So that was kind of the deciding factor. Derek Carr, let's see what the Raiders offense looks like. Let's see what the Chargers defense looks like. Because the Chargers defense, while it's healthy, could be a top five defense. So I'm also giving room for that too. Although I will throw this out there, you know, JC Jackson may not be playing and that, that could be a big deal. Something to kind of keep your eyes on there. Look out for running backs. Rashad Penny, make sure he's in your lineups. He's in my RB 23 this week. Kenneth Walker. I doubt he's active for this game. I don't love the matchup against Denver, but if there's anything we've learned, Pete Carroll is going to have to run this offense probably through the running back more so than the passing attack. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, it makes you feel any better about playing Rashad Penny. I'll point out the Cleveland game last year where Denver was playing for you know basically their playoff lives. 
Cleveland came in the town with Case Keenum and Dernish Johnson in their backfield. Dernish Johnson had 27 carries, 120 yards later. You know, Cleveland won that game. So it doesn't necessarily – Denver might look good stout defensively, but they're not anything necessarily right home about. You can run right at them. That hasn't necessarily changed yet. So I think Rashad Penny is a safe floor. Then we had Tony Pollard. He comes in on my RB 37, just outside my top 36. If he does anything this week, I do think it'll be in the passing game. Uh, I we don't want to mention him too too much here, but just the one thing I'll have my eye on, I guess, is how much will he really be a slot receiver? How much will they have him and Ezekiel Elliott on the field at the same time? There will be better times to play him. The guy I want to get into a little bit more is your guy, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. He comes in my RB27 this week. And my question for him is this, or my question really for Andy Reid actually would be this. Are you going to treat him and McKinnon in the passing game the same way you did last year, where McKinnon out-targeted Clyde Edwards-Alaire in those two playoff games that they were both active for, 11-4? to And then does a Pacheco or a Ronald Jones, does one of them get involved in the goal line? and not Clyde Zolaire. Does he become the Miles Sanders of this offense? That's my question, and I kind of have him ranked as such. Yeah, and it's a good, fair question. The only thing I will say on the caveat is Jeremy McKinnon did become that guy until the playoffs for some reason. He was on the roster the whole regular season. He never played that role most he of the regular season. Year? No, he was there. I, I think he got banged up a little bit for like a period of time, but for the most part, he was healthy. He got hurt when Darnell Williams took over for that period of time, and then he got he got hurt. So that's why he wasn't mixed in with Darnell Williams, but he didn't get hurt at the beginning of the season. So that's where I'm kind of curious. We'll see what, you know, what is his role necessarily? I know people always been kind of assuming Jared McKinnon has been great since he went to the, since he left the Minnesota, basically. He's always had his, his role built in for him every year that never kind of materializes. So we'll see if it happens this year. I think it's pretty much the CHE situation he's been in. You know, if he, he stays healthy, he should be fine. He should get a decent amount of carries, probably about 65% of the carries. If he's not healthy, then you can see the other guys kind of creep up and steal his catches. So he's got to have a chance to kind of start off well against Arizona, who's definitely questionable defensively. Um, and I think he's got a chance to kind of show out well. When he did, you know, for six games, when he got fed the ball, he played well. It's just he kind of fades it off after he gets injured. So it's what you're looking for, kind of a flex option probably this week and maybe hopefully more. Uh, moving on there to the wide receivers, look out for Juju Smith-Schuster. I don't love the Chiefs receiving options for most. I actually have him at 35 for most of this year. But if you picked up Juju Smith Schuster, you drafted him, you better play in week one while he's still healthy and able to play and should be getting the first crack at it to be that starting guy. Otherwise, I don't know what he even drafted him, frankly, for. Right? I, I, I go with that. I agree with you. And I say that for Tony Pollard, too. Okay. Uh, Rondale Moore, we got to get more information on Rondale Moore. I don't think he's going to play this week. And I think it's a bit of a question as to when he comes back, if he's getting an MRI on his hamstring. It's not looking great there. He's at my wide receiver 48 right now. Obviously, he'll be coming down as we update throughout the weekend. By the way, I will be updating the rankings throughout the weekend. So consistently go back and check bailiofantasysports.com. You go to the rankings tab. You'll see my name on there. That'll get updated all the way through Sunday morning as we get more information. Jalen Tolbert, wide receiver 58. Gallup's not going to play this week. The starting three receivers are CeeDee Lamb, Noah Brown, and Jalen Tolbert. Those are the three starting receivers going into that game. I'm not telling you to, to play him in a redraft league, but DFS, eh, eh, might, might want to take a candor at that. We might talk about that more tomorrow. Jerry Judy, wide receiver 30. Chris, people went from 
ranking him ahead of Cortland Sutton to, I feel like, forgetting about him. I hear more chatter in the industry about what people think KJ Hamler is going to be and how he's going to be the next Tyler Lockett than I do about Jerry Judy being a hell of a talent. And he's my wide receiver 30 this week. I might, I'll probably have him higher with some of the movement that I'm going to be doing. Uh, Jerry Judy belongs in your lineup, guys. And I can't believe I have to put him in a lookout for a segment because I feel like he's gotten forgotten about. And I don't know why. Yeah, it's this herd mentality. Everybody hears something, they all go running one way, then they go running the other way. And I agree with you. Somewhere along the line, Jerry Judy wasn't going to be better than Cortland Sutton, but it didn't mean he was going to be crap either. Um, it's a pretty good matchup for him versus Seattle. I think that if you look at a guy who's going to probably be the safer play, so to speak, the route runner who gets open is probably a safer play for week one for a, a quarterback who's still kind of getting his, his, his feet wet. Um, so, yeah, I think Jerry Judy is a guy that definitely is going to be a great play. And can we just stop with the Hamler shit? <laughs> so the guy that people are praying worth for like two years to be good and hasn't been. Couldn't agree more. Uh, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. Now Metcalf's at my wide receiver 26. Tyler Lockett is at my wide receiver 31. I'm sorry. I have that Metcalf's at my 25. Lockett's at 31. That's where I have those two guys at right now. So both wide receiver threes. So we playing three receiver teams. They should be out there. Flex plays. They are flex play considerations. Metcalf, I'd be starting no matter what. Lockett depends on, I think it depends on what options you have and what kind of lineups you're setting. But this is the week to find out. Geno Smith, he's starting against a decent defense in the Denver Broncos. If they can do something in this game, it will give you a lot more confidence moving forward. But if they don't, we're going to be waiting around for better matchups, I think. And I got to tell you, I don't have a ton of confidence. Yeah, I think this is going to be an interesting matchup. I mean, it's got a lot of emotion going into this game. The game is in Seattle, so it's got to give Seattle somewhat of a shot. But yeah, Denver is the more talented team overall, of course, that they are. They should be expected to win. But I think Seattle might give them a little bit of, you know, a little bit of a run for their money. And that's where you, you make a good point. If their receivers can show up and show you that they could do something against a good defense, then why can't they kind of show up against the team like Arizona, for example? Right. But this is going to be key. And the other key is going to be seeing, okay, Gino, now that you're the starter at the beginning of the season, who are you targeting more? Because I don't know that's a given. It's definitely DK Metcalf. I just think that's still something that's going to be up in the air. And we'll have to get an answer to and then our last look out for, I got Albert O as my tight end 11. He makes my top 12. This has more to do with Seattle last year being the second to last worst team against tight ends. We'll see if it winds up being that bad again this year. But while there's no Greg Dolchich and he has a good matchup on paper, if you're going to stream an Albert O, I think this might be the week to do it. Oh, and by the way, yeah. Chris, just, just for earlier, I had to go look at my projections while you were talking real quick. I have him, it's it's two and a half points for a gap between 11 and 19 when it comes to Alberto. So still not much, but an extra half point. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm not loving Alberto necessarily this week. I do think that, you know, the guy's been forgotten about and written off, but I think there's a lot of other mouths to kind of see how they get fed. And, um, I think there's definitely a good matchup on paper versus Seattle. There's a lot of guys that I like out there a little bit better. Um, so I'm not selling on Albert O, but if you have to go reach for a guy, he's probably better than Austin Cooper for sure. And then we got our be cautious of, of this group. Be cautious of. You're not starting Geno Smith. Okay, cool. No arguments there. Uh, wide receivers, be cautious of Julio Jones. Let's see what he is first. He's in my wide receiver 71. Russell Gage. I want to talk about Russell Gage for like a split second with you. 
This is a guy that he was as high as my wide receiver 42, I think, some to- point during the uh, offseason process before they signed Julio Jones. He was supposed to be this kind of like guy you took later on who's going to have this safe floor within this offense. I will say, once I get the news about Chris Godwin definitely being out, Gage for this week probably will get into that high-end 40s for me, so like a mid-level to high-end wide receiver four, who I think you will contemplate playing this week as a result. But it's just funny to me now, with the addition of Julio Jones, we have no idea how to rank Russell Gage. Yeah, no, I understand that, but I agree with you. If Godwin's out, I think Russell Gage is a guy that you're trying to get in your lineup, especially in DFS, which we'll talk about here next next our next show. But I think overall, when you look at Russell Gage, this is a guy that Tom Brady personally recruited. Likes what he does, trusts him, knows where he's going to be. No, he's not a sexy name like Julio Jones. No, he's a sexy player, but he is where he's supposed to be. And Tom Brady gets those guys the ball quite often throughout history. So for me, Russell Gage has got a very safe floor and I think decent upside because Dallas is a secondary past that Trayvon Diggs, even though he's not the greatest secondary you know, shutdown guy as it was, is really questionable at best. So I think he could be a sneaky play, and I think that either one of them or Julio could be a guy you think about playing if Chris Godwin's out. Uh, I wouldn't be on brand if I didn't have Hunter Renfro in this group at wide receiver 42 at the Be Cautious of. And as long as Devontae Adams and Darren Waller is on the field, I am not going to trust the output, the ceiling at the very least, of what Hunter Renfro can do. I'll be quiet on this part because eventually we'll have a square off on this. But when Darren Waller becomes the second receiver over Hunter Renfro, then I'll shut up. And so then I'm just going to tell everybody, I'm just going to tell everybody, Hunter Renfro does not suck the way Dan makes him sound like he does. And he will be eating just fine in the Raiders this year. We will see. That's why I'm glad we have Sunday football action. Tight ends. Don't start Gerald Everett. It's my tight end 23. Don't start Cameron Brait. I want to see how that tight end position breaks down for the Bucs. How much is even going to be utilized now that they signed a Julio Jones? And then Noah Fant. We can talk about him real quickly. If I'm not going to be big on the wide receivers, I'm certainly not going to be big on the tight end. Yeah, I don't love Noah Fant, but I wouldn't necessarily not play Everett. If they were going to play Albert O, I'd play Everett over Albert O. So I'm no, not as down on Everett as you are. Stop it. Look, here's the argument. I love you a partner, but Parnum's hurt this week, so he actually might not play. So maybe, just maybe, Everett will be the title. Here's my reason why you're not playing Everett. If there's going to be a third pass catcher with the Chargers, which has always been a hit or miss prospect anyway, it's going to be Josh Palmer. It's not going to be the tight ends. And that's where I here's, think Here's why you do play against this. You play Everett because they're playing the Raiders and their secondary, particularly the safeties and linebackers, can't cover anything. You want to take a shot in DFS, I'm fine with that. But in redraft leagues, you should have better options available to you. Let's get, in, let's get into our mailbag segment. The mail's here. All right, we only got three questions for you guys here today, and we'll wrap this thing up. First question comes from Adam. Are you playing me? Can you play Michael Hardman? or Brandon Ayuk? This is pretty obvious to me, but I was actually kind of surprised to hear some of the answers on social media. But what's your answer, Chris? Brandon Ayuk, no doubt, 100%. That's who you play. 100% agree. I was act- I was kind of surprised. There seemed to be a lot of people who thought it could be Hardman this week, and I'm definitely not going to... I'm not going to take that chance. Stop. And I want to say this real quickly. Stop trying to hit home runs in week one. Go with the guys that you have a more clear idea about, and I want to say more clear idea about after Cam Akers boned me tonight, a more clear idea about what their role is supposed to be, okay? Go with that. Stop trying to hit home runs in week one. 
Melvin, he asked me, well, actually, this is a bad question now because he actually had acres. Let's throw acres out of this question. Kareem Hunt or Damian Harris in PPR, choose one. It's hands down Kareem Hunt because he's the one who's going to get, he's going to catch the ball. You have, you'd have to hope Harris falls in the end zone, right? I mean, I think, yeah, but Harris doesn't have a chance to fall in the end zone. The one place he can beat the Dolphins is through the run. So it'll be interesting, but I think that you stick the guy to the pass catcher in this situation. And then last question, Bandit, he asked Christian Kirk or Elijah Moore, which I, I kind of I enjoyed this question because I love that. I do have Christian Kirk ranked at wide receiver 28. I have Elijah Moore ranked at wide receiver 32. Ultimately, I trust the floor and the involvement of a Christian Kirk in a game that I think could potentially be a sneaky little shootout, not completely a shootout, but a higher scoring game between Washington and Jacksonville because of the lack of defenses in that game where the Jets have to go up and play the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, I like Christian Kirk in that matchup. I think he's got the guy that's definitely going to be the alpha in that receiving core while, you know, in the Jets situation, we're still kind of mixing through who's going to even play. That does it for today's show. Thank you guys all for tuning in. Make sure you come back tomorrow night on Friday. We're back on Fridays now at 10 p.m. Eastern. Chris, I think it might just be you and me for the whole show, but Cashing Friday. We're going to go over our DFS DraftKings lineups, some values that we have that are outside of our lineup, guys. And then the second half of the show, we're going to talk about our bets of the week. So Cashing Friday, we're trying to win you guys some tickets. Cash it out. Next week, Chaz Florida will be back. But make sure you come back on our YouTube channel. Subscribe that we get the notifications when we go live. Check us out on bellyup.tv and download us on your favorite podcast app. Guys, football season's here, and we'll see you again tomorrow night. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 